The only thing that can separate you is for you to believe the lie of the enemy. Who told you you couldn't come there? Who told you you'd been disqualified? Who told you you weren't worthy to talk to him? Who told you he wouldn't listen to your prayers? Who told you that he doesn't love you? Who told you all of those lies? It's the same one that was talking to Eve. Are we being defined by God or are we being defined by the enemy? Because there's only two ways. You either get into agreement with what God said or you're in agreement with what the enemy said. Do I have the power to change the atmosphere? Absolutely I do. The Bible said the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. The Bible tells us we're created in God's image and God created us good. It also tells us nothing can separate us from the love of God except believing the lies of the enemy. So then ask yourself this question, who told you you were disqualified, that you were unworthy, and that God won't listen to your prayers? Who told you God doesn't love you? Who told you all these lies? Could it be the same one who was talking to Eve in the Garden of Eden? So then, what does God actually say? In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason explores the questions of what were you told and who told you? I was reading an Andrew Womack book while I've been on vacation, and it's just good sometimes to go back and, and rehearse things that you already know and to, to put them back in your spirit. And it began to just to stir me up in my faith. But while I was looking for that particular book, I ran across the title of another book, and it said the title of that book was, Who Told You You Were Naked? And so I'm going to ask that question here in a minute, but I got it from from the title of Andrew Womack's book, but I just couldn't get it off my mind. I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And so as I began to think about it, I just began to ask this question. What were you told? And then not only what were you told, but who told you what you've been told? My job is to pray, to study the Word, to break it down, to bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to you and to others. I'm supposed to do that. But let me tell you something you're supposed to do. You're supposed to allow that Word to go in but you're also supposed to judge that word. Okay, you're responsible. I'm responsible for what I'm teaching, but you're responsible for what you receive. And so if you don't know God's word, you're going to have a hard time knowing whether I'm leading you down a bad path or not. And so I, I wouldn't intentionally do that, but your job is to go back and find out. All right, I, I, I talked about Revelation 12 not long ago, and Joni came to me and she put about eight or ten hours of study into Revelation 12 and she'd listened to several different things. Now I'm going to tell you what she was doing, checking out, see if I was right, and then she wanted to expound upon what I had been told. As usual, I was right. Amen? Okay. Alright. And so, but I encourage you to go back. Now why would I encourage you to do that? Because when you study it out for yourself, it's no longer my word, it becomes your word. See, it becomes something that you can take hold of and if you take hold of that word, then it's harder for you to be lied to. And so we, we want to know what we were told and who told us those things. So in, in Genesis, let me tell you the foundation of that, who told you you were naked. In Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say? And I want you to remember that. Did God actually say? I, I think he asked a very, very important question. Because there are a lot of preachers that are saying stuff that God didn't actually say. And they're adapting things 
to fit their experience rather than saying what God said. Am I making sense to you? Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now notice how he's twisted it. He's twisted it just a little. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Notice the, the twofold approach. First thing he said was, did God really say? Did God actually say? And then he said, God would not kill you. You will not die. How do you think Satan knew that? This is the gospel according to Eddie. I can't prove it. But I do know one thing that we were the only people created, we we're the only creatures created in God's image. And I know that when man was created that all of heaven stood in all of God's creation. Turn to your neighbor and say, God created us good. He likes his creation. And so when he did that, the angels must have gasped because they had never seen anything like that. And I think Lucifer, when he saw man, was so taken by who man was and what he had done, he just said, gosh, God won't kill him. God won't kill him. And what he did was he switched words. Go back and study those words, die, and you'll find out that there's a double meaning. And it meant soul and body. And what the serpent said was, your body won't die. So he questioned God, and he threw in a half-truth in the midst of it. Everybody with me so far? And then in Genesis 3, 7, it said, Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And so they said, the minute they partook of the fruit, they realized that they were naked. And not only were they naked, but they were ashamed and they were afraid. And so they tried to cover themselves. Now, how many times do we try to cover ourselves? We try to cover up. We try to hide things from everybody. We, we even try to hide things from God, but everything is open to God. And so we have to understand that we're not hiding things from God. You don't think God knew what Adam and Eve did? He knew exactly what they had done. He knew exactly where they had been. He knew exactly the choice that they had made. In Genesis 3.10, Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, God said, Who told you that you were naked? And he asked the question, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman you gave to me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. 
Well, we've been saying that ever since, haven't we? That woman, that woman, that woman. I'm telling you, there's something about women, they can just get a man just to do almost anything. I mean, you know, I remember when Jess was alive, they used to say that he was a hoop jumper. Anybody ever heard that expression, a hoop jumper? In other words, Joni would speak and he'd jump through hoops. Now, everybody said, oh, bless his heart. Uh Uh-uh, he wanted to be a hoop jumper. Why? Because he's in love with that woman. What happens is we start falling in love with that woman and we don't want to be separated from that woman. If you're not a hoop jumper, something's wrong with you. I'm telling you. Now, sometimes they put too many hoops out there. I agree. But but we we have to be a people that, that we're connected. And Adam was so connected to Eve, he was so one with Eve that he chose Eve over God. But then he wanted to blame her. Isn't that just like it? Just going to try to hide behind a woman, going to try to cover his sin by blaming somebody else. How many times do we try to blame our sin or our failure on somebody else? Well, you know. Not only do we try to blame it, we try to justify it. And now we've got an enemy that is going in and saying that sin isn't really sin. We've got an enemy that's going into the nations and he's making the statements. He's saying that not only is sin not sin, but sin is now acceptable. And sin glorifies God. That's what they're telling us. They begin to tell us that sin glorifies God. That there are no restrictions placed on us. And so when they realize that they really can't get away with that, what they do is try to get God out of everything. They they don't want even name mentioned. You don't even have to call him Jesus Christ. You don't have to call him Jehovah. All you got to do is say the word God, and that could be any God. They don't want any God involved. They want it removed. Why? Because they're trying to hide their sin. They're making these loincloths, and they're covering up their sin, and they're saying, aren't we beautiful in our sin? Aren't we beautiful in our failure? Aren't we beautiful? Well, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy and so I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. It's okay with God. Turn to your neighbor and say, no, it's not. Amen. The other thing is, is that when, we, when they finally realized what was going on, the Bible says they were afraid of God. Up until that time, they were not afraid of God. How do you know? Because the Bible says in the cool of the evening, they went and they walked together every evening in the garden. Man, how would you like to have a walk with God every afternoon? Amen. Then the next question is, why aren't you? And that's the next question. Why aren't you having that walk with God? And so we begin to see this this fear and this shame and this guilt and this, this afraidness. Do you know, I can tell you right now, there are too many Christians that when they mess up, when they foul up, when they look back at what they've done, all of a sudden they're afraid to go to God because they're afraid He won't receive them as a father. They're afraid they're going to receive Him based on their sin and their disqualifications, going to receive Him. And so they're waiting for Him to, to punish them and to whip them. I started just bring a belt and just bring it to y'all so you just whip yourselves and get it over with. Let me let you in on a little secret. God whipped his own son or allowed his own son to be whipped so you didn't have to be whipped. Jesus took the whipping. Jesus took the beating. 
Jesus took it all on our behalf so that no matter what we've done, no matter how short we come, we can go into the Holy of Holies covered in the blood of Jesus, walking in robes of righteousness and declare that we are his and say, God, I screwed up. And God said, I know. And you say, well, get me out of it. And he said, well, you may have to drink just a little of that vinegar. I'm going to get you out, but you may have to drink just a little of that gall. Eddie, how do you know that? Because the Bible says, whatever a man plants, that shall he also reap. Now, thank God we don't have to reap everything and all things. And so, there sometimes is a little bitterness. And we, we had a, I had a friend of mine, Pastor Ralph Martin, and years and years and years ago, Jimmy Glass was the sheriff here, and Jimmy and the the, 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 the chief in Stockbridge were in cahoots with the drug dealers. And they allowed them to land in Henry County as long as they didn't sell all their product there except for what little the sheriff was moving. And so anyway, the, they got caught. Imagine that. The alcohol, tobacco, and tax got a hold of them and the FBI got a hold of them and and, and Jimmy went to prison, and I can't remember the chief's name, but they told him, they said, said you, you're probably going to jail. And so he came up before the whole church, and he repented before the whole church. And he said, Lord, I'm sorry. And he turned to the preacher, and he said, now I won't have to go to jail, will I? I said, and, and the preacher said, Ralph said, I don't know. You probably will. You did the crime. You're probably going to do the time. And he did. He didn't spend long in, in jail, but he did have to go to jail. Sometimes there's a cost to the sin that we've planted, but the cost is never separation from God the Father. I don't care where they put you or what they do with you, they cannot separate you from God. Why? Because you're blood bought. You're held in the hand. The only thing that can separate you is for you to believe the lie of the enemy. Who told you you couldn't come there? Who told you you'd been disqualified? Who told you you weren't worthy to talk to him? Who told you he wouldn't listen to your prayers? Who told you that he doesn't love you? Who told you all of those lies? It's the same one that was talking to Eve. It's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. And But we act like we're naked and ashamed. We act like we're afraid to do these things. He says, we have the right because of what blood was shed on Calvary's cross. We can go before Christ himself. Amen? And you know how you started this, don't you? You turned to somebody and you said, I was, I was anointed. How many of you still believe you're anointed? How many of you know that that sin didn't take your anointing away? Well, I've sinned. I can't pray for people. Ask for forgiveness and pray for people. Why do you want to give the devil credit? Man, do something. If you screwed up, make him pay. Am I making sense to you? All right, let me go on. All right. So, then if God's not saying that to you, what did God say to you? First off, he said, I am the creator and you are my creation. I breathe into your nostrils the breath of life. I created you in my own image. 
My eyes saw you as unformed substance. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know the number of hairs on your head, and before a word is on your tongue, I know it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's me. Now, let me ask you, which do you rehearse more, what God said or what the enemy said? Do we look at what God has, has given us or do we look at what we happened in our past? Are we being defined by God or are we being defined by the enemy? Because there's only two ways. You either get into agreement with what God said or you're in agreement with what the enemy said. Well, I want to be humble. We'll be humbly great. Be humbly great. Why? You are his creation. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. For me, that's less and less. I still got more than Ken, but that's okay. Amen. And so, we need to know that. He said, you're a new creation. Turn to your neighbor and say, you knew. He said, you have my spirit. He said, you will be transformed. He said, you represent me. Turn to your neighbor and say, I represent God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I represent Jesus Christ. Woo! Come on. Come on. Come on, give God praise. Y'all are missing this. You're missing this. Come on, you represent Jesus Christ on the earth. How do I know that? God said it. Am well, I making sense to you? Next question is, do you believe it? Look, look at, he said this. He said, you will drink from the spring of the water of life without payment. Ooh, that's pretty good, isn't it? How many know we can drink from the spring of the water of life? We can drink from Jesus for, without any cost to us. And I myself will make for you a feast of rich food and well-aged wine. He says, you will enter my rest, inherit the kingdom I prepared for you, and step into fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Wow. But all I want to talk about is what's gone wrong. All I want to talk about is what Fox News says. This, I'm guilty. All I want to talk about is how things are screwed up on the planet. There you go. That'll do a lot for your faith. And God said, quit moaning and groaning and change something. Don't ignore it. It's going on. But he said, be the agent of change. Well, how can I be the agent of change? Well, you may not be able to be the agent of change, but within a household of two or three people. You may not be able to be the agent of change, but in the place where you work. But I don't care where you are, the Bible said, change the atmosphere. Do I have the power to change the atmosphere? Absolutely, I do. The Bible said, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. He spoke to the winds and they obeyed him. That same spirit dwells in me. Well, that's not been my experience. And that's why you can't speak to the wind. Because you put your experience above God's word. You've listened to what the enemy says rather than listening to what God has said. 
You've done these things in such a way that we don't, we don't grab hold of faith. I told you this week was a strong stirring of faith inside of me this week. He said, you need to grab hold of men. Look what he said in 2 Corinthians 10.5, and this is kind of flowing through my, through my sermons the last three weeks. We destroy arguments. Turn to your neighbor and say, we do. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. He says, take every lofty opinion. How many lofty opinions do you think he meant for us to take? Every one of them. Anything that does not line up with God's Word is a lofty opinion. Why is it lofty? Because you're saying that your Word or somebody else's Word is greater than God's Word. I'm just telling you how we, how we mess it up. We, we, we lose faith when we don't say what God said. And let me just go on. He says, bring them, bring them. He says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Come here, Herman. This represents my thought life. Most of the time we buddy buddy. Okay? We friends. Even when he's being a jerk. <laughs> Not Herman, my thought life now. Come on. Y'all making it Herman. Don't personalize it. When, when, when my thought life becomes a jerk, I still buddy buddy. When my thought life disagrees with God, I begin to question God. Because he's not doing the wings the way I think to. But what he said is, he says, take him that captive. Put him in a headlock and say, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to hip toss you. I'm going to throw you to the ground. And see, he's stronger and faster than I am, so he would have to submit in order for that to happen. But you know what? I'm in control of my thought life. And so when I tell my thought life to submit, it has to submit. But sometimes we got to get in a wrestling match with what's going on in our thoughts. Sometimes we got to get in there and say, I'm taking you captive. Why? Because all of a sudden, fear and anxiety is taking over. All of a sudden, timidity is beginning. I got to remember, I am anointed. I am gifted. I am blessed by God. Those thoughts are coming from the enemy. That's who's telling me that. Not God. My God is telling me that I am loved, that I am special, that He knows everything there is to know about me. He knew all my, slight, my shortcomings and my failures, and He chose me anyway. Amen. Come on. He loves me. And so why do I want to do it? I'm going to tell you what. We've got to, you can sit down. We have got to bring our thoughts into captivity and make them bow down. Now what we're better at is we're, trying, we're better at trying to tell other people what to do with their thoughts than we are dealing with our own. But God has told us to take our thoughts captive and bring them into obedience. Well, lady, what if you're doing stinking thinking? Then say it. I'm stinking. My thinking is thinking, and I am going to think God thoughts. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start reading the Bible to me and to the devil. What? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. He said, you will drink from the spring of water of life without payment. That means me. I get to do that. Devil, you don't get to do that. I get to drink from that. 
and I myself will make for you a feast of rich food. I get to eat from that table, you don't. And well-aged wine, he said, he's going to bring me joy. He said, he's going to bring me pleasure. He, got, he said, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He said, there is joy and peace, unspeakable and full of glory. He says to me, I'm going to take you from glory to glory. He said, I'm going to give you every gift. I've already given you every gift that pertains to life and godliness. And I'm going to sit right here. And you know what, devil? I'm going to open every gift until you just get sick and go to hell. Come on. Now let me tell you what happens. It's when we rehearse God's word, it becomes our word. It becomes ours. Matthew 10, 8, look what he told his disciples. Heal the sick, raise the dead. What? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. You received without paying. Give without pay. Mm. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, turn to your neighbor and say, when they receive you. Some of them don't receive you, you know that. When they receive you, eat what is set before you. And then he says in verse 9, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Interesting thing here, and I've known this for a long, long time, but it was just reopened up to my thought process. Notice he didn't say pray for the sick. He said, go heal the sick. Well, Eddie, we've been doing that and it ain't been working. And so your experience is greater than God's word. And you're going to bow down to your experience rather than what God's word says. If there's something not happening right, I can assure you it's not on God's part. So I've not unlocked the mystery of all that God has for me yet. And I haven't. But I'm never going to stop. Luke 9, 1. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said, I want you to do two things. He said, I want you to preach the gospel and I want you to heal the sick. And he said, when you preach the gospel, we're going to confirm it with healing. The church, and I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about the church as a whole cannot make up their mind whether or not healing is real. We have these discussions on healing. We have these misunderstandings on healing. And we can't get it settled. And so what we do is then we begin to make excuses for things that aren't healed. And we go back and, and we say that, you know, even, even uh, uh, Timothy had to take a little wine for his stomach's sake. Come on, we just get away from the truth. We try to make excuses rather than try to find out what God has said and how we can fall into what He said rather than trying, rather than do that, we just explain it away because that requires some effort on our part. Am I making sense to you this morning? All right, let me go on. In Mark, Mark 16, 15, and He said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Man is that 
a strong, strong statement. He said, go proclaim the gospel. Isn't that what he told his disciples to do? Go proclaim the kingdom. Go proclaim the gospel. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Uh-oh. He's no longer talking to just his disciples, is he? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a believer. He's talking about me. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents in their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Hmm. Maybe I'm not quite the believer I think I am. We believe for salvation. And the Lord says, I want you to go one step further and begin to believe my word for what it says. Don't make excuses for it. Don't worry about what's going on. Just do what I said do. Well, I might get embarrassed. So? So? Did you hear what I said to start off with? Stir up the gift. Why? Don't get timid about what Jesus Christ is. Don't get timid about saying what God said. Don't get timid about this stuff. Come on, begin to release what God has said. Why do I need to release what God has said? Because He told me to. He told me to preach the kingdom of God. He told me to preach the gospel. The kingdom of God says that God has come in power, that God has come in authority, that God can heal sickness, that God can raise the dead, that God can cast out demons, and the God in me... The Holy Ghost in me is the same one that rules in the heavens and in the earth. And the God in me can cast out demons. The God in me can heal the sick. The God in me, I got to get out of his way and let God go. Some, of, some people get all upset when we talk about John G. Lake, but I tell you what, the results of his ministry were so great in Seattle, Washington, that they actually had to close one hospital and they licensed him as a medical practitioner in Seattle, Washington, because he healed so many sick people. And Seattle became known as the, as the, the most well community in the entire United States of America because one man had the audacity to believe God for healing. And then he began to train people how to do that. He realized he couldn't pray for everybody. And so when he'd hear about somebody sick, he would send them out and they would move in. Turn to your neighbor and say, if I get sick, somebody's moving in with me. They would move in. He would send them out and they'd move in. The longest recorded one, they stayed for 30 straight days. But the guy came back and said, he's healed. He said, he gave us this. I said before, we know a few things God said and we know a lot of things that the enemy has said. We learned a lot of what the enemy said. We've owned a lot of what the enemy said. We believe a lot of things about what the enemy said. Let me just tell you, you can believe you're called, you can believe you're anointed, you can believe you're gifted, and one person can say they doubt you and crash you just like that. Why? Because you don't have ownership of it. I told you when I first became a pastor, 
Man, people would call me pastor, and I would shy away from it. Why? Because I didn't feel like a pastor. I was a pastor, but I didn't feel like a pastor. After a while, I am now Pastor Eddie. You can call me Eddie if you want to. I, that does not bother me. But I am a pastor. And the funny thing is, I was born a pastor. I'll die a pastor. Why? Because God said I'm a pastor. It, it really doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Let me say that again. It really does not matter whether you believe I'm a pastor or not. Why? God said I am. And so I'm going to walk in what God said. I'm not going to walk in what the enemy has said. God said I can heal the sick. I haven't had much evidence of that. I've had some, but I hadn't had much of it. I want more of it. How about you? Then I'm going to believe what God said. And I'm going to confess that until I make it my own. Until I begin to see with my eyes the reality that has already taken place in heaven. Let me say that again. The reality that has already taken place in heaven, God has already affirmed and confirmed His Word. He's already made sure that it's here. And now all I've got to do is make it my own. I've got to take ownership of that. Am I making sense to you? The only way to take ownership of it is to begin to rehearse what God said. Remember what I said? When you say it, when you begin to speak it, it becomes yours. When you begin to say what God said, it becomes your word. It becomes your truth. It becomes manifested in who you are. I don't believe in name it and claim it. What I believe is you own God's word. And when God's word is inside of you, then the manifestation of God's word will come out of you. Amen. God will touch you. He will use you if you will be used. He will cause people to get saved. He will cause people to get healed. He will cause people to get delivered. He will cause people to do so many things if we will just get out of the way and let God do what He wants to do. Believer, unbeliever, it doesn't make any difference. You know, we're going to pray for the people that we're going to, that we believe in, that God said, said, we're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to pray and this is what we're going to pray. Be healed in Jesus' name. Because it was done 2,000 years ago. Releasing that healing. I'm commanding that healing. His words become ours when we begin to declare them and proclaim them. Out loud. Turn to your neighbor and say, out loud. Say it again, out loud. Christians are some of the loudest people you've ever been around until you get them in church. And then they develop an inside voice. Let me go on. I am who God says I am, and I can do what He says I can do. Most of us do not believe that. Let me just say that again. Most of us do not believe that. Anybody ever shag baseballs off a bat? Anybody ever catch baseballs? Anybody when you first started ever miss a baseball? I started playing catch with my daddy. And he bought me a little old flimsy glove that would just close up. And so I'm sitting there and throw it, Daddy. I'm eight years old. He throws the ball. I close it up. Bam! Right in the face. Mama comes out there crying and screaming because I got a little bloody nose and all this other stuff. And my daddy said, get the glove on. 
I'm saying, but daddy, I'm hurt. He said, get the glove on. But daddy, I'm hurt. Get the glove on. Herman, he's dying. He's bleeding from his nose. Put the glove on. I put the glove on. I missed some, but I caught more. And you know, it was a whole lot easier to catch that ball after it hit me in the face. Because that sucker wasn't going to hit me in the face again. It might hit me somewhere else, but it was not going to hit me in the face again. It didn't take but one time to learn that hurt like, oh, get out. And I did not like that. And so I, I began to practice, and my daddy began to practice with me, and he made me a, a catcher. And I'm out there, and he's throwing balls in the dirt, and people are batting, and all of a sudden he comes up to me and says, you blinking. I said, what do you mean I'm blinking? He said, every time he's blinking. He said, we're going to stop that blinking. I said, what are we going to do, daddy? He said, that catcher's mask I bought you? I said, yes, sir. He said, come here. And then he said, don't let your mama see. He pulls that mask over and he stands right in front of me. He said, don't you blink. And he hits me right in the face with the ball. And it jars me and I blink. He said, you blink. He said, Eddie, I'm going to do this till you quit blinking. How I many of you know it didn't take long until I quit blinking? I got tired of being hit in the face. My mother found out about it and it was, Herman, Herman, I'm going to kill you if you don't leave that boy alone. We played in a 10, 11, 12-year-old league, little league thing. I was 10 years old, and I was the best catcher in the entire league. You know why? Because my daddy taught me how, and he wouldn't let me quit. Father God wants you to be the best evangelist in the nation. Father God wants you to be a person that's known as a healer to your friends and to your neighbors. God wants you to be known as the friend of God. And if you will just let him practice with you, you'll learn how to do it. But you've got to believe you are who God says you are. I was just stupid enough at eight years old to believe my daddy knew what I could do. And then we did it. Would to God I could just be stupid enough to believe what God said. And that I could do what God said I could do. Well, you may fail. I got hit in the nose with a baseball. I bled like a stuck hog. But my daddy wouldn't let me quit. And the truth of the matter is, God won't let you quit either if you really love him. He's not going to let you quit. I want, you to read, I want you to hear what I'm going to read to you one time. The most powerful thing that I, I, you, I can read right now. If we receive the testimony of men, that's what a man says about you or somebody else or about Jesus. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. If I say you're anointed, that's real good. But if God says you're anointed, how many of you know that's even better? For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe God 
mm, has made him a liar. When you say God can't use me, you've just made God a liar. When you say you've been disqualified, you've just made God a liar. When you say I can't pray for people, you just made God a liar. When you say I can't, I can't, I can't lay hands on the sick, you just made God a liar. Now I want you to know Paul was bold. Me, I'm a schmoozer. Joni calls me a brown nose. <laughs> I'm easy on you. The Apostle Paul wasn't easy on you. The Apostle Paul would be up there th hitting you in the face with a baseball and saying, catch the ball. Pray for the sick. Well, but don't you know if we we're out there preaching the gospel, they're going to throw rocks at us? I didn't sign up for all this. You know what Paul told him? Well, John, if you didn't sign up for this, just get your little scrawny butt home and leave me alone. I ain't got time to fool with you. Really? It's in the book. Now, thank goodness there was a Silas, and Silas took him under his wing, and later on when Paul's in prison, he says, send John Mark to me. I have need of him. So Paul would have burned a few people up. I understand that. But I want you to hear it for the truth that it is. I won't throw a rock in your face right now. If we don't do what God says for us to do, if we don't believe we can do it, then we've made God a liar. That's as, that's as simple as I know how to put it. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to call God a liar. So somehow... This has got to be transferred from paper to heart. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.